0: We have a team of seven people now used to be just me. And then it was just Eric and I for the longest time. And then eventually we needed some help. So 2017, my father-in-law came on same father-in-law that kind of kickstarted this whole thing. And then it was just us for like a year. And he was very helpful and very skilled, very good at cracking the whip when we needed to be cracked. You know what I mean? It's so easy to just get lazy and complacent when the, the financial guru, you know, he's been an accountant for 40 years. He really knows his stuff. So she says, we got to do something. We got to do it. So that got us out of a really big rut that we were in between 2015 and 2017. And then we've grown and we've got, you know, four other people since then.
1: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an amazing, exciting guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is one of the leading lights in the knife industry. If you're a longtime listener to the show, you know I'm a knife nut. You know I collect knives. I love knives. And this gentleman is... Is got to be one of the most sought-after people in the entire knife world. And since my whole tagline and what I do is be sought after, I've been wanting to interview him for a long time. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary John Grimsmo of Grimsmo Knives. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much for having me. You're making me blush here with that intro. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) God bless your heart, brother. We're known for that on this show. We make great introductions. So, John, absolutely, John. You know, I've been following your work. I'm I'm looking forward to actually purchasing my first Norseman and my first Rask. Uh, I'm on your makers choice list, so I'm I'm really excited about it. And I know a lot about your company. You happen to be in my home province of Ontario. How cool is that? Because most of the other knife makers I've talked to are deep in the south of the United States, like places like North Carolina and even Arizona and and, and in some cases, Oregon. But you're here in Ontario. So I know a little bit about your story, but the person who's listening to this show may not know who you are. They may not understand what it is that has made Grimsmo Knives such a sought after company. They want to hear from you. They want to get to know you, man. They want to fall in love with your story. So tell us your story. How'd you get to be the great John Grimsmo and how'd you create such an iconic brand?
0: It's It's been quite a journey. I mean, I was that kid who was always playing outside. My brother is four years younger than me and we're really close and we always did stuff together. He joined Cub Scouts. I joined Boy Scouts at the same time. So I was a Boy Scout at 11. And this was, you know, early mid-90s when MacGyver was all over the TV. And MacGyver was an absolute (laughs) hero. He was my hero. He had a Swiss Army knife. He could solve any problem. I would literally watch every episode. That was around the time for my 11th birthday, my godfather was a Canadian Coast Guard so he always carried a belt knife and as a coast guard, you're always cutting the rope and everything. And a knife is like your lifeline. So he gave me for my 11th birthday. And this kid, he gives me a sheath knife. That's a, a DH Russell Groman, I think it's called, which is the Nova Scotia company. Oh yeah. I know the Grom. Sure. Yeah. I know those guys. They're awesome. Yep. They're beautiful. Um, and I still have it and it's, it's amazing. I've took it camping all the time. So here I am, this 11 year old kid watching MacGyver and, I get, this is my first introduction to what a knife actually is, not a kitchen knife, not like basic stuff, really nice quality knife. And then I was totally hooked, totally addicted, got my first Swiss army knife soon after that, the exact one I saw in MacGyver. And then at that point, like I'm ordering mail order catalogs, the Smoky Mountain knife Works in like 94, 95. And I used to have this ritual where I would sit down in front of the TV waiting for MacGyver to come on. I'd have my snack ready, my ideal snack. I'd wait to open the new package, the new knife, before, like, until MacGyver turned on, and I had this, like, ritual, and it was super fun. So I started collecting these these uh, Swiss Army knives. I'd use them in Boy Scouts. We'd, you know, learn all the knife skills and everything, and then I learned more about the slightly better knives, well, the Spydercos of the world, the Benchmates of the world, because they were in this catalog, too, so I was hooked, you know, before I knew it. I had uh, a couple spider Spydercos. I was traveling in Italy as a kid, and I bought a Spyderco there too because I just couldn't help myself. Um, <laughs> love it. And that it, it, it kind of held there throughout all my teens, Boy Scouts and everything. I always had a Spyderco on me. Since I was 11 years old, I always had a knife in my pocket. Didn't matter where I was, what I was doing. It's just part of, like, you put socks on in the morning, and, you, you, you know, you have your knife on you. It has to happen. Never gave it another thought. And then I went through you know, high school, getting a lot into mountain biking, a lot into video production. We were filming ourselves doing bike tricks and stuff. Thought I would have a huge career in video production, but I learned the film school is ridiculously expensive. So that never happened. So I, didn't, I never ended up going to university or college or any sort of secondary education after high school. I uh, worked with my dad designing websites, learning a bit of programming. We played in the stock market for a while did all kinds of stuff. Eventually I branched off and started my own web design firm called troll media that, uh, cool. you know, suits to our Norwegian heritage. I think I had two customers and I, I didn't, I didn't give it the go that I should have. Um, it was in my early twenties and kind of headstrong and not enough passion or skill for it. And while I learned a lot, I just didn't apply myself enough. And, you know, felt very, it was a weird few years. Trying to find my way there. However, that led me, that helped lead me into the more the uh, custom car world. So I started getting really big into modifying my own cars, building engines, doing everything I could for as cheap as humanly possible. Because at the time, like $500 was like a million dollars. I had no money at the time. So I had to stretch and I had to learn to weld and I had to learn to take apart cars and everything I could do for no money, basically. Was my kind of early to mid twenties with regards to cars, and I had a lot of fun. But it taught me that dedication, that passion towards something. It just didn't have much kind of future, or so I thought. And then I started to make more parts, and I wanted to turn it into a business. So I created the next company called uh, Craving Boost Automotive. Boost is for turbocharged cars that create boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, us, yeah, car junkies are always craving boost. So I was like, sweet, that'll be a great idea. So I was making, I taught myself how to weld. I bought a basic milling machine. I was actually using my neighbor's 1940 war era lathe to start making these parts. And I made suspension components. I made short throw shifters, spark plug wire sets, and a few other various things. That started my manufacturing career. And then like four or five years of that, I finally woke up and realized that my passion for cars was completely replaced for my passion for making things like I no longer really had passion for cars, which is what I was telling myself was the entire story. But it was it was actually a passion for, for making things for building a business and creating product and selling it to happy customers and having more come in the door. So I started to really struggle with the car parts because I'm making a niche product for old Volvos where everybody's trying to be cheap and has no money. So they're not going to take good money for a good part. And that's it just kind of slapped me in the face. It's not a good business model, no. Yeah, but I didn't know that at the time, right? I'm just playing along. But you learn these things over time, so no regrets. I mean, valuable lessons learned, just years spent to learn them. And then I was trying to find like the next industry to get into, and I was anodizing paintball guns because I taught myself how to do anodizing. I built a sweet setup for aluminum anodizing, so I was anodizing these paintball guns and spending you know, 12 hours to make a hundred dollars. And I'm like, I'm making less than $10 an hour doing this. It's just, it's not scalable. That's not going to work. And then a friend came by or some guy emailed me from watching some of my very few YouTube videos at the time. And he's like, I've got this, uh, Pro-tech knife with aluminum handles. Do you think you can anodize it? I was like knife and yeah, I can do that. That'd be sweet. Come on by local guy. He introduced me to the custom knife world, June, 2011. And I remember it clearly. I actually just saw him again a couple of days ago. I haven't seen him for a few years, but he came by 2011, brought his small collection, blew my mind with the world of custom knives. You know, this is 10, 15 years after Boy Scouts finished, and I, I didn't know about custom knives yet. I knew about Spyderco, Benchmade, uh, Swiss Army knives, the big companies, but seeing that there are custom makers out there, you know, making stuff and charging good money you know five hundred thousand dollars for these custom knives and i'm like i could actually figure that out and i have the passion for it and i already have a lot of the equipment that i need because i've started making these car parts so it like i didn't sleep for three days wow. total binge uh, on youtube and forums and i had just missed blade show but there was another knife show two months away that i was t- telling my wife i was like Man, i gotta go to that knife show two months away i need like eight hundred dollars for plane tickets and i'll bum some food off of people and. And I did it, and I scraped together 800 bucks, and I was there in Vegas rubbing elbows with all the top knife makers, like, literally two months after learning about the industry. Wow. And I have friends to this day from that event. Um, Brad Souther, one of my closest friends now, is a fantastic knife maker, and I remember standing next to him in this gathering of a bunch of people, talking to this group for an hour, and then he finally... I, I twigged on who he was and I'm like, Oh, you're that Brad. Oh my gosh. I've been following your work for two months hard now. Wow. That's so cool. So to be able to go to a huge event like that and expose yourself to the the core, the meat of the industry so early in the journey was huge, like so valuable for me. Otherwise you just kind of, googling and thinking and playing but here you get to talk to people you get to see other knives you get to see and feel what you like and what you don't like hugely valuable i mean that led to the birth of grimsmo knives if i back up a little bit i missed one key piece of information uh in 2008 i took a five thousand dollar loan i wrote up a business plan and i i pitched my father-in-law who now works for us funny enough i pitched him and i was like I need to borrow $5,000 so that I can buy a manual mill and a manual lathe and some other supporting tool. And here's my business plan. And here's, I'm gonna CNC convert them over the next year. And I'm gonna make these car parts using these machinery. And the process of doing that and physically convert, like adding stepper motors to these manual machines, installing a computer system, custom wiring everything myself, custom making all the bracketry to do all this totally made me fall in love with fancy machining and manufacturing. And that's when the car interest started to die. So I had like three years there from 2008 to 2011 of falling in love with manufacturing, but having nothing to manufacture. And then my buddy Sean came up with the nice thing and it was like, it just fell into place. Now that's not like an instant ticket to money and, and success. It took many years before I made any money after that. But man, was I on the track to passion at that point. And I had the the love for the industry and for the product and for the process of making all this stuff. That was 2011, early 2012. I'm talking to my brother who lived across the country at the time. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Working at a hotel. You want to keep doing that forever? No. How about you come over here, move in with us, live in our basement, and we'll grow this company together. So he came across, dropped everything, moved over in a car and, uh, lived in our basement for several years while we slowly grew this company out of our garage into something that started to have traction. You know, we made our first knife in 2011. The goal was to make 24 knives and bring them to blade show 2012. Um, We ended up finishing like one and a half just because your eyes are bigger than your, uh, your stomach at the time. You think you can do all this stuff, but the reality of problems sets in and we're, You know, we're supposed to leave at 8 a.m. on whatever on the Thursday, and it's 730, and we're still finishing parts. We've been up all night, sleeping in chairs in the shop, trying to finish at least these two knives so we can have something to show at the table. So we did. We brought down two knives. We actually drove from here, Toronto area, down to Atlanta, Georgia with our dad. a great road trip, trying to do the whole trip for as little money as possible, right? Because flights are expensive. (laughs) Yeah, so we go to the show. I don't know 10,000 people at Blade show, you know, hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors were we've got a little table just like everybody else and we're basically nobodies. We've been filming the process on YouTube and I had for years now of the car stuff of the manufacturing so I kind of knew I kind of had a little bit of exposure. Like my foot was barely in the door. There were a couple people that knew about us down there, which is really cool. And that slowly started to grow over time. But we're sitting at the show kind of drawing people into the table to show them what we've done and what we've made, and we've made a few friendships, and I think we took a few orders down there, which is really nice because we didn't have anything to sell. The two that we made were literally Norseman number one and Norseman number two, and, wow. and I still have them as our personal knives. That's amazing. So we weren't going to sell those, but no, <laughs> but yeah. Again, that that being our second knife show, we had these finished knives. We brought them down, and we got to not only talk to customers but talk to other knife makers and. Uh, Do you know Todd Begg? I don't know him personally, but I sure know who he is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Begg Knives, amazing knife maker. I don't know if it was that first year, but certainly one of the very early years of Blade Show, I was able to sit down with him for what I thought would be, you know, 10 seconds and show him my knife. But it ended up being like a 35-minute conversation of him ripping apart the knife in a constructive good way and saying, you should change this, change this, did it. I'm just sitting there like drooling, taking notes, going, thank you, thank you, thank you that, you know, mentorship one on one, in person, face to face, emotions present, back and forth, of having him show me how to do things better was insane. And I mean for him, as long as he's open minded and willing to share, it's not a lot of effort for him to do that, but he's got that mindset where he wants to pay it forward and share. And there's i got dozens of stories like that of of either famous or excellent craftsmen that have shared with me and helped me build whether it's in the knife industry or the manufacturing industry at all. I mean, now if I have any questions, I know exactly who to ask one of 10 people because the network we've built up. But yeah, that's kind of the origin story. You know, Grinchman and I started in 2011 and the past eight years now has been steady, very slow, like what's that curve where it goes exponentially bigger? Hockey stick. It's doubled every year, basically. Like literally our revenues have doubled every year for five years straight now. I'm mad because this year it's not quite going to double, but we're at that level where it's kind of hard to keep doubling.
1: (laughs) Well, it's something I I, I can tell you. I I think you could keep doubling every year if if, if you're willing to think outside the box a little bit, but let's come come to that later in the the conversation. Uh, There's so much that you've uh, shared with us here, and I want to unpack some of it. So, uh, first of all, I'm a knife nut. I love knives. I I think every man should have a knife. Frankly, I think every woman should have a knife, but especially for men, knives are a primal tool. They're they're probably the oldest tool in human history, right? And there's a thing about Mm -hmm. a knife, it, it makes you useful. I was talking to Tim Leatherman. I interviewed him a few weeks back on the show. Yeah, I met him a couple months ago at Blade Show for the first time. Oh, amazing dude. Just an amazing dude. Yeah. Just an amazing dude. Like his story. I mean, you should listen to that episode on the show. Uh, I will, yeah. I've had Greg Medford on too, but uh, for some reason that we had a technical issue with iTunes. It's not on iTunes. It's on my website. So if you go to the thoughtleaderrevolution.com, his episode's still up there, but we got to figure out what happened on iTunes. We got to get that back on. But (laughs) Tim Leatherman. When I was speaking to him, I said, look, every, every human being on the planet should have a Leatherman, in my opinion. A Leatherman is such a useful multi-tool. There's so many things you can do. I, I have used that darn thing so many times. I've got one in a dashboard in my car. I've got two in the house. I've got one in a bug-out bug bag. And I, I just think it's it's amazing. But it's so true of knives because the the, the thing that I said a Leatherman is, as a Leatherman helps you to be useful. And, in fact, I think that should be their tagline, be useful. Have a Leatherman, be useful, right? Yeah. <laughs> A knife yeah, makes yeah. you useful, right? A knife makes you useful. There's so many uses for the knife. A knife is something, heaven forbid, if you need to protect yourself, a knife can help you protect yourself. A knife can help you deal with so many everyday tasks. And people used to be taught how to use knives. You you talked about being in Boy Scouts and your brother was in Cub Scouts and you learned knife skills. Man, I, I think that's awesome. By the way, that could be a revenue a revenue source for you guys, teaching knife skills. <laughs> FYI. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I'm not kidding. That's a real thing. A lot of people don't know how to use knives. And when I put a knife in the hands of men, so I'm part of a men's group, right? And I was the knife nut in the group, and there's another guy who works with his hands, who had knives. And I said, "Look, you and me, we're going to s and Knives, which is a knife store here in Toronto, and we're going to buy some knives." And he he bought himself a nice heavy duty Benchmade. And the next time I brought a couple other dudes, and you know they bought Spyderco's and they bought Kershaws and they bought some Leathermans. I bought a Leatherman. I just think it's so important for people to have knives. And, and there's so yep. many different types of knives. And what I love about your company, even though I've yet to hold a Grimsmo in my hand, I've, I've seen so many reviews by people that I really respect on YouTube talking about what you do. I've watched a bunch of your videos on how you go through the process of doing your machining and building the knife. And I go, man, this is a well-made tool. Every single man can aspire to have a gorgeous tool like this that's well thought out, well designed, doesn't look like anything else out there, according to the folks that have them, has the best fit and finish of any knife out there, just opens and closes so smoothly. And I I go to myself, oh my God, this guy is a genius. And now better than all that... You can't actually just go out and buy a Grimsmo or a Rask. You guys have a waiting list of people begging for the privilege of buying your knives. And you send them a note saying, hey, you got 24 hours to make up your mind to to pay a good buck for this knife, or it's going to go to someone else. And most people are going to jump all over it because they know it's going to go to someone else. There'll be 10 other people ready to buy your knives. So... What you've done is you've created an iconic knife, something that every man and certainly even every woman ought to have. You've, Become an iconic manufacturer. I believe manufacturing is so important. You know, listen, love them or hate them, you know, it's one of the things that I think Donald Trump has nailed. He says manufacturing is important for every country, right? Manufacturing is what gives mm-hmm. people jobs. It, 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 it makes people happen. And he's been a real champion for manufacturing. And I love seeing guys like you who make their knives in Canada. Thank you for doing that, by the way, John Grimsmo. Thank you for not outsourcing it to, to the Far East, <laughs> you know? in giving people I, I huge
0: jobs? I can't. Like, my soul will not allow it to outsource. I've tried to outsource the odd component here and there or we buy something like a screw and we use it on the knife and I'm like, this is garbage. I can't do it. I gotta start making my own. So, there quality has been our basically number one thing since day one. And in the beginning, you just don't have enough skill to make the best. But we're always continual improvement every day, every day, even to this day. We're still looking at things around the software. we can do that better, we can do that better. And even though when guys like you were saying we're the best, in our heads, we're like, oh man, I've got, I got a million things I can do better and I know it, so I'm going to start. But yeah, we've, we've created the knife. And instead of being a marketing machine where we're like, let's just make something and sell a million of them, I think I've actually slowed us down a lot, like slowed our potential down a lot because it has to be right, it has to be perfect, it has to fit together, it has to have this consistent feel. You know, a knife today and a knife 500 knives from now, they need to feel the same because customers are gonna get two. And that consistency across time is gonna be very valuable to us. There's definitely visual evolution in in the process of our knives, but that's due to our skill, not due to our passion, really. You can just tell we're getting better and better and we're having so much fun.
1: Well, you see, There's a lot that you said there that is worth unpacking as well. You tried outsourcing. It didn't work for you. Now, inside of what we teach people, which is around how to be sought after, right? If you're going to be known as an expert in anything, be it a product or a service, you can't outsource the key things. Like if you're a thought leader, if you're an expert, you got to do the thinking and you do a lot of the thinking around how to build these knives. You don't outsource that, right? Yeah. You go learn from other people, but you do that yourself. You're doing the selling. You got to do the selling. Nobody else is going to be able to sell this as well as you, although all your customers are selling it for you right now, which is a beautiful thing, right? (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. And then you got to deliver. You got to deliver something that wows people, that people go, oh my God, I got to have it, right? And that's what's made you sought after. To me, why it makes sense to have, you know, John Grimsmo and Grimsmo Knives on the Thought Leader Revolution show is because you guys, more than anyone at all in the industry, you are totally sought after. Now, sure, there's other guys who who have elements of what they do be totally sought after as well. I mean, look, Curtis Ayavito. Uh, and and his partner, Mark, with what they've done with Spartan Mm -hmm. Blades, they've got some kick-ass blades. And I I happen to own some of them. I'm really happy. Greg Medford, I mean, his Praetorians, it's a six-month waiting list to to get a Praetorian and you pay for it in advance. So I I paid my $2,000 to get a Praetorian tie, right? And I'm not going to get it probably till Christmas time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But Grimsmo Knives, I, I can't even buy it. I go on a list to have the right to purchase it when one becomes ready and my number comes up. Who else has that level I mean, of customer and, and it's ra- it's sought random. afterness?
0: Sorry? It's, random. it's not uh, It's not sequential. It's random.
1: Oh, it's not sequential. Okay, it's random. So there you go. Who else has that? Who else is able to do that in any industry? I don't know of a single yeah. company of a single brand. That's what impresses me. Well, it's been
0: fun and scary and aggravating and like every emotion you could ever feel I've felt in this business. It's been, you know, one of the best and definitely the hardest things I've ever done in my life. While the, the problems and the, the issues are changing now, they're still ever present and there will always be, you know, problems, but I'd take my problems from today a hundred times over my problems from five or 10 years ago, Hundred percent. just because things are going well, but it's still, it's still heavy.
1: No, It it is. And I think the way that you've approached it, you've created a really fantastic company and you really can grow this to whatever level you want. I think the demand for your products is huge.
0: That's the difference that I'm, I'd like to think I'm trying to make as opposed to, there's a lot of very sought after, very well-known knife makers, but they make like a handful a year or they're only like one guy in a garage and can only make so many. I'm trying to create an actual business, an actual brand here that hopefully has staying power and might even outlast myself. I'm starting to realize that that's a real possibility. I'm like, whoa, that's insane. But it's changing the way that I formulate the business and that I set everything up. But we have a team of seven people now. Used to be just me. And then it was just Eric and I for the longest time. And then eventually we needed some help. So 2017, my father-in-law came on, same father-in-law that kind of kickstarted this whole thing. And then it was just us for like a year and he was very helpful and very skilled, very good at cracking the whip when we needed to be cracked. You know what I mean? It's so easy to just get lazy and complacent when the the financial guru, you know, he's been an accountant for 40 years. He really knows his stuff. So he says, we got to do something. We got to do it. So that got us out of a really big rut that we were in between 2015 and 2017. And then we've grown and we've got, you know, four other people since then.
1: That's fantastic. So you're employing people, you're building a business, you're creating a product that's, you know, sought after at a level that just blows me away. And what you're doing is you're doing something that you're completely passionate about and you've become known. So in the world of thought leadership, John, and this is a very powerful distinction that I learned from one of my mentors. We say that an expert is someone who knows something, but a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. You and Grimsmo Knives are known for making some of the most iconic, beautiful knives in the world. I mean, there's nothing like the Norseman out there for crying out loud. And You're a thought leader because you figured out a way to create something that's unlike any other knife out there. You figured out a way to get customers to lust after it, to like just seek it out more than anybody else. And you're known for it. Like everybody knows who Grimsmo Knives is. If you're a knife enthusiast, you know Grimsmo Knives. And that's a beautiful thing. That's how you've become a thought leader. And that's why I sought you out to have you on the show. Love it. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing. So, John, I'll tell you i I could I could talk and talk and talk with you, but let's let's move the conversation in a particular direction you guys you guys went out and you created something that you're passionate about. you've become really experts in manufacturing experts in knife making. So I want you to look forward. Let's say you and I have another interview in three years and okay. if everything that you ever, dreamed of, of having happened for you, you know, personally, professionally with your vision for the business happened, where would Grimsmo Knives
0: be? Well, historically I've always been a somewhat short-sighted person. I've always had trouble looking more than a few years ahead of time, but now I'm, I'm extending that, that reach and it's causing me to grow personally and professionally much quicker than I ever had before. But let's say three years from now. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're doing literally in the next three to six months, will be on that list. Um, moving to a much bigger facility, I'm currently looking hard right now. Uh, we're in 1,500 square feet now, and we're bursting at the seams. I need five to 20,000 square feet of space, and we're looking hard. So we'll be there. We'll have definitely more machines. We'll have a few more people. I definitely want to expand the product line a little bit. Like Right now, we're just making the Norseman knife. We put the Rask on hold. I want to make Norseman and Rask side-by-side side on a daily basis. I want to add lefty models of both. There's a third knife that I want to introduce maybe in two different sizes, a big and a small, and our pens. I just want everything on steady production. And I've also got a manufacturing industry product that I'm working on that will be starting next year as well. And I just I want everything to happen kind of together at the same time, as opposed to jumping from product to product. And that's going to be do wonders for our cash flow and our diversification of, you know, money coming in the door, because right now all our eggs are in the Norseman basket. So we're kind of tied to one product right now. But having a few different ones is going to be great. And I just kind of want it all. But I mean, everything I just said sounds crystal clear to me. Like it's it's all going to happen. Um, we just bought our first house. I bought a nice car. Um, I want to travel more. I'd I'd like the ability to have my business not rely on me so much. I'm working really hard on that, giving more responsibility and more skill to everybody else here so that they're not totally reliant on me to handle every aspect of what I normally do. So that's something I'm going to work hard on over the next few years. Um, than that, it's just like linear growth or, well, exponential growth, really. Um, but it's all crystal clear. Like I know what I need to do. I know like sharing my responsibilities is probably the hardest task I have ahead of me. Everything I mean, else is the just,
1: entrepreneur's dilemma, man. You can do things better than anybody else yet. You need to find a way to let yep. go of some of that. Otherwise you're never going to be able to scale.
0: hundred percent. And I, I know that, and I've heard it. <laughs> it's a very
1: powerful book. Uh, you, you ought to read if you haven't already, it's called the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Have you heard yep. of him?
0: I just read it for like the third
1: time a few months ago. Okay, well there you go. Fantastic. Then you get it. That that's that's the book that every entrepreneur ought to read. It's a good dose in humility Agreed. and a good dose in in what you need to do in order to to grow. I had a similar conversation with Greg uh, Greg Medford as well and he's, you know, yeah. he's created a pretty great brand uh, as well. I, I I have a Medford Proxima. I bought one of those. It's a, it's it's a really it's a huge knife, <laughs> I got to tell you. But it's uh it's a beautiful knife and um, Greg, uh, Greg's vision is, you know, somewhat like yourself. He's someone who wants to control, uh, everything, make sure that everything that's, is being made is something that's being made to the highest level and, and all that good stuff. But he also wants to grow the business. He wants to take it to an, a new level. He wants more people to, to, to learn and buy from the knives. And then the only way you can do that is you, you got to scale. You, you can't be, the business can't just be you, your name's on the door, but it just can't, can't just be you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a lot to that. The funny thing I noticed recently with a book like The E Myth is that the first time I read it, so that, that guy Sean that got me into the knife industry, he gave me my first copy of that book, the one I still have. You, you need to take that guy to a ago. steak dinner once a quarter, buddy. <laughs> yep, yep. He's he's got some perks. Um <laughs> funny enough, he's just in the past two years that I haven't seen him, he's grown his business. incredibly much. And I saw I went to tour the factory the other day. I'm like, what just happened? Like, holy cow, you've been busy. But so he gave me that book of the e-myth and I've realized lately that reading an excellent book at the wrong time in your business just gives you a sour taste in your mouth. So I read that book first. I read like half of it in, you know, early days in the business. And some of it's like, cool, great. But I Like my takeaway from then of reading that book was a business is only meant to hire employees and make a lot of money or something, which now rereading it now, I get a totally different feel for it. And like every second page, I'm like, yes. Yes, this, this I need this, and same for the book Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah, it's I a great one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so I'm currently reading that. I'm about two thirds of the way through. I started that years ago too, and it was like, ah, this is dry and boring, and all he's doing is talking about companies from the past fifty years and their trends and like their CEOs and stuff, and on the surface it is boring, but now I'm reading it and it's like an actual page turner and I'm laughing and I'm like into it and it's this is the right time for me to read that book and I'm actually taking wonderful takeaways from it that I can apply to my business.
1: Good stuff, man. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, you know, uh, when we get offline, send me your address. I'll send you a couple of the books that I've written around business. One of them's in the form of a fable and for somebody, uh, you know, for somebody that is earlier in their business career than you, but there's some good, good advice in there. And the other one's a book that I wrote, uh, back when I was working with Olympic gold medalists, that has got some pretty good advice on, on high level championships. So if you're into reading, happy to send you books in, inside our, Wonderful. our program and the work we do with folks, we give away about a thousand books a year to our clients because we think that, you know, leaders are readers. Really? Yeah, man, yeah of course I buy 30, I buy between 20 and 50 copies of certain business books. I give them to all my clients. And then, you know, when, when I run out of clients to give them to, I give them the, to, to friends, prospects, you name it. Because I think books – first of all, I believe that giving starts the receiving process. That's something one of one of my guests uh, said and taught me. And, I, and and my father was that way. So you got to give. You got to be a giver. It's part, part of – Part of the DNA of being a good human being, in my opinion. But secondly, you know, in, inside of what we do, if, if we want people to embrace their inner thought leader, their inner expert, if you will, then we got to put our money where our mouth is. So give them some books to read. Exactly. Uh, get their get their yep. brain kind of wiring itself in different ways. You, you, you know, this may sound crazy to you because I'm not a manufacturer and i I have no intention of starting in a manufacturing business. But I, I want to go read some books on knife making. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I want to learn what it takes to make a knife. And at some point I'm going to f- uh, find someone to mentor me on how to make my, my own knife. I want, uh, it's probably going to suck, but I want to make a knife because I, 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 buy so many beautiful knives. I love them. I want to, what it takes. I want to have a deeper appreciation of what it takes to create these fantastic tools. So.
0: Yeah. hundred percent and doing it yourself or even just, you know, shadowing someone doing it in front of you will, will give you an insight that you never understood before. And I see that now, like, like, I don't want to say we struggle, but you know, we struggle to make great products because it's, it's like that hard. And then what we're trying to do with our YouTube channel, which has, you know, tens of millions of views over all the videos and 400 plus videos, like we're trying to share how intricate and how dedicated and like difficult this stuff actually is. You know, when you pick your iPhone, you just pick it up and you use it. You know, when's the last time you like look at it and like realize that everything on it, it's made, you know, same for cars, same for everything. It's, it's nuts once you actually try to open your eyes to that. And, you know, my kids now are six and nine and I'm always trying to show them like, like, look at, look at how this was made and, you know, realize what, what it took to do this. Don't just take it for granted. You know, that's brilliant.
1: I, I learned something from you just now. Cause I've got two sons they are 11 and 13. And I'm going to start doing the same with them. I think it's powerful. It's important. It's eye-opening. Yeah. It is. It is eye-opening. Brilliantly said, man. God. I'm really loving this conversation, man. This is, this is one of we my favorite it. interviews. It is fun. It's totally fun. Uh, we we should, should definitely do it again. Listen, if, I, I'd love to come do a tour of your factory at some point and see how you do what you do. And it, it'd be great. Absolutely. So how do folks interact with you guys? How do they get themselves on the maker's choice? How do they maybe buy some of your gear? I think we can actually buy your gear on your website, right? That's one thing we can do. How do they do all that?
0: Yeah, we have uh, you know t-shirts and hats and stickers and stuff on our website, which is com. There are other Grimsmos out there, like we're a Norwegian family, but you search for Grimsmo and we come up first, which is pretty cool. Makes my dad jealous because he's he's been in the internet industry forever, and I outstrip him in the ranking <laughs> just due to the size of our business. It's funny, but yeah, GrimsmoKnives dot com and our YouTube channel is John Grimsmo. Like I said, tons and tons of videos. Like we've been chronicling our journeys, especially in the knife world, since day one. Like there's literally a video out there called Knife Making Tuesday Oh One that says, "I think I'm going to make a knife," and that's the beginning. And I design it, and I make a test blade, and there's about a hundred and something knife making, knife making Tuesday videos until I just kind of dropped the title and just made videos. But like, it was nuts, because at the time I had like 50 subscribers, and then I started doing these consistent videos with fun content and making progress, and then it was like 100, and then it was like 200, and then it was like 500, and then 1,000. And this took you know years, but it, it actually grew. And it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, so YouTube's, YouTube's a really fun place to interact with us, but if you want an actual interaction, Instagram is the place to go. Cause there I will respond to comments and direct messages and, you know, really interact, interact and engage with everybody. Um, I have a lot of fun with Instagram, post a lot of, you know, day-to-day shop stuff, whether it's in the stories or in the main pictures, put some videos up, but, uh, yeah, Instagram's really fun and that's, that's about it. I love it. There man. is a Facebook group, but it's it's not run by us. It's the Facebook fan group that's run by fans, and I don't even look at it. But some of our guys do. <laughs> that's um, awesome. Man. I realize you can only put you can only put so much effort into so many platforms, and you know some people are all like, all oh, right, you got to do every platform." But I'm like, I just want to get really good about I'd like two.
1: You know that's the only way honestly I mean it's good to be on a bunch of platforms but you can only really uh, run a couple of them well like for me Facebook's important Facebook's a place where we we get uh, a lot of interactions we've got a Facebook group that I'm that I moderate and I run for both the podcast as well as my business but uh, YouTube's a good one I'm I, I think I want to do more stuff on YouTube I really like Greg Medford and his Medford University I don't know if you've ever seen that uh a no. series of videos he's created they're really cool he gets into the soup to nuts of what it takes to like make a production knife and I I, I, I went through great. all the videos they are so cool man. and you know he's a bit of a crazy wild crazy guy I don't know if you've met him in person or seen yep. some of his stuff he's a wild man but um, he's he yep. is really, really bright, like scary bright. You know what I mean? And he knows what he's yeah, doing. Yeah. He's well-read. He's, he, he's actually a very thoughtful guy as well. So I, I really enjoyed uh, going through Medford university. And I thought, I want to create an E circle university. You know what I mean? Just talk about what it takes to be a thought yeah. leader, what it takes to stand out and be sought after and do all kinds of stuff. I got my, my kid wants to be a YouTuber, my 11 year old. So I said, okay, son, you're going to be, you're going to be daddy's YouTube helper. <laughs> Let's get your, your gear and you can start shooting video of dad talking about the various things that i do and i'll pay you for it he likes that part a lot (laughs) that i would have paid (laughs) so so i think that that's that's really fun so, John, I love this. This has been absolutely fantastic. We like to end off each and every single one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps? Imagine you're speaking to somebody here who really needs to hear this message. What are three things you tell them about how to take their life and their business to the next level? Three things that are important for them to remember every day.
0: One that comes to mind right away that I can I can reference back, back to the beginnings of our videos is we used to show our mistakes. And, you know, in the process of making a knife, you make mistakes all the time. But especially in the beginning, when you literally don't know what you're doing, we would make these YouTube videos and we'd break a tool and we'd show it. and We'd talk about it. And I would say my current thoughts at the time put it up. You know, a lot of people are afraid to share problems. Anything goes wrong in your life. You just want to bottle it up and like shove it down and never talk about it again. In the course of the business, we were able to open up a little bit. And I can't tell you how much that facilitated growth, because then I'd get 10 comments going, oh, you should probably try it like this. You know, you obviously haven't learned this yet. So uh, try this, and it works. That's been huge. And it's, you know, you share your problem and you get instant feedback from people. Now with Instagram, it's instant and that's how you learn. Like it's it's like cloud learning, you know, like learning from other people around you. Which probably I don't know could be my second point. Like develop a group of of friends and acquaintances and and other industry people. I mean, I don't view my other knife makers as competitors. I view them as friends because we each have our own sort of niche audience. We make a niche product that's different from each other, and they, you know, there's a lot of overlapping things. But you don't own one knife, do you? I own 42. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not competition. It's, it's just getting it's getting your attention so that hopefully you want to buy my product. And if not, if it's not for you, great. Move on to the next guy that it is for and finding that, that guy that it is for a girl. But I've, I've developed and just through talking and through posting and through opening up, I've got this huge network of people that if I ever have a problem, I can literally have an answer within minutes. And especially on the manufacturing side, because manufacturing is not easy at all. And I actually view us much more as a manufacturing business than as knife makers, because I know a lot of knife makers and they're, you know, small in their garage making knives. Whereas us, we're advanced cutting edge equipment. You know, we've got a million dollars of equipment in the shop right now and a million more coming on the way. And uh we're cutting edge, pun intended. Yes, totally, um,
1: brother. <laughs> I, I, I picked it, up
0: on that it, It's very different. And the it's very difficult, I mean. and the there's almost no difference between making our parts and making spaceship parts. You know, it's that level of attention and detail and quality it just has to be. It's not just a knife. It's a quality product that has to be made to exacting standards. There's no two ways around it. And on top of that, you know, I'm having a lot of fun growing the business side of things, too, as an entrepreneur. So I guess my third point would be learn, 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 learn. ask questions. Um, I mean, just like I was saying before, like if you if you find yourself in a room with somebody who's smarter than you, let them do the talking, but ask very good questions. I've found that, too. And it's amazing the amount of people that you meet like at a barbecue that you never talk to. And then three weeks later, you realize they were a really cool person, or like dropping your kids off to school. The other moms and dads in the parking lot, I see them for years. And then eventually I talk to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like genius. I need to talk to you. Come over for dinner, please. Have you ever done that? 150 like times all, easily, man. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And I've developed actual close friendships from like parents in the parking lot that I, you know, waved at because I don't know you yet. So just be open and friendly and listen and learn 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 there's all the information you could ever want to know is out there you know and just get really good at searching and at finding those answers because a lot of it's skill but the the core information it's out there you just gotta find it i learned everything i know from youtube wow you know or doing it
1: That, that that just blows me away. Honestly, it just blows me away. These are three very thoughtful expert action steps. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. So, listener, you can tell by speaking to John that, that this man's a real deal. You know, he is a... Um, Uh, an icon in the knife making industry. He is a manufacturer's manufacturer and he's really getting it done. So you want to check out Crimson Knives. You want to go to their YouTube channel. You want to go to their Instagram. You want to go to their website, put yourself on the maker's choice list to get some of their knives uh, and you know, pick up some of their gear. These guys are awesome. And if you're here in Canada, man, it's it's amazing to to support an iconic Canadian company, iconic Canadian manufacturer. So make sure you do that. And and John, I really hope that you'll be an example for other Canadians that want to start manufacturing companies, and and, and especially in the knife making world. I'd like to see more Canadians try their hand at this, because I think we have some very, very talented people here that are uh, could come up with some great ideas. So I really hope you take that on. I hope you get yourself involved in, in industry groups uh, in a bigger and more powerful way, especially here at home, because uh, your voice is an important one, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Um, and so, listener, yeah. you might be thinking to yourself, OK, so John's awesome but can I be my version of John Grimsmo in in my world? And my answer to that question is 100% yes. So to to me, this is the story arc for you. You are the hero of your business journey, just like John is the hero of his business journey. And what you want to do is you want to make a big difference. You want to do something that leaves a legacy and you want to make more money. And that's important. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I I do want to do, do this, but I don't know how to do it. Or I don't like selling. I don't want to be one of these you know, pushy salespeople? And how can I grow my business if I don't know what I'm doing or or I'm bad at selling or I I hate selling and I think it's distasteful? And is it possible for a good person like me to be able to grow their business without selling their soul and compromising their values by being one of these slimy people? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, but you have an enemy and the enemy is sameness, right? John, sameness is the enemy. You need to stand out and You know, people like myself and John, we know what it's like for you to be good at what you do and to still struggle. And here's the thing over half of the people that I've ended up working with have realized from the work we've done with them that they can win and we've been able to get them a 300 to 3000% return on their investment, right? And it's very simple. The fastest way for you to get this going for yourself is you go to our website, you know, watch our free webinar masterclass jump on a success call both of those can be done on our website ecircleacademy.com there are two buttons there schedule a success call or watch the masterclass they're both free you don't have to pay a thing for them and it's part of what we call our three step ecircle success plan one is you schedule the call two is you come and you actually do our live workshop uh, and three you grow your business. And you get to make that difference you were born to make. You get to leave that legacy and make sure you take action because if you don't, you're going to continue to struggle. You might get ripped off by some slimy charlatan marketer type and, and, and you might even be tempted to give up on your dream and you don't want to do that. Take action. Make sure that you jump on the call. Make sure you watch the webinar so you can grow your business, so your money worries are going to be over, so that you can believe in the majesty and brilliance of your dream again, so you avoid burnout, so you win the respect of your friends and your family. You be that sought after person just like Grimsmoe Knives and John Grimsmo and you get to be fulfilled and you get to love what you're doing again. And you you'll move away from feeling anxious, feeling stuck, feeling like you're failing, and you'll move into feeling yep. like you're confident, succeeding, and you're sought after. Right, John? Isn't that isn't that what we want for our listeners here?
0: I love it. It's so true. Absolutely. So I want to add to that. Um, Please. I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins, and there's tons and tons of free content on YouTube about you know his thoughts and.
1: You know, my wife to be works for Tony Robbins
0: as a coach. I did did not know that. Now you do.
1: That's so funny. You said that.
0: (laughs) He always says it's the story you tell yourself, and I've that's like stuck in my head and. I still see it to this day, like it hit me a couple of days ago, and I'm like, you're telling yourself that story that's restricting you, that is causing you to believe you suck, or you can't do that, or it can't be done that way. And I think I get, I'm very, very open-minded, but I'm also very stubborn in in what I think I know. And, you know, some, like in one of my team will say, I think we should do it this way. And I'm like, no, we can't, can't do it that way. <laughs> and then I'll think about it for days or weeks or months, And then it finally like seeps into my core being. And I'm like, maybe we can actually, maybe we can do it that way, (laughs) right? So it's a stupid story you tell yourself that you, you have to like stop doing, you have to open your mind and like reframe it. And if you're telling yourself you're not good enough or if you're telling yourself, oh, how do I have a chance? There's so many other people doing it better than I do. Well, you're different, you're unique. Your potential is different and you're going to tackle it different than anybody else. Just how hard are you going to push? You know, so that, that story you tell yourself thing, it continues to hit me. And I, I think about it deeply.
1: I, I really love Tony Robbins as well. The, my mentor who's been on the podcast, I'll, I'll send you a couple of the episodes we did with him. He actually used to be part of Tony's organization. Uh, amazing, amazing guy. So uh, what you said here is very true and very valuable. And Thank you for, thank you for jumping in and sharing that, my man. Absolutely. So guys, that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only John Grimsbow and his phenomenal manufacturing company, Grimsbow Knives, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Go to the show notes. Make sure that you go check out his YouTube, check out his Instagram, go to his website, get on that maker's choice list. You'll be glad that you did. And until next time, goodbye.